Hello and welcome to the Vote Her podcast because when you vote, great things can happen. And as we all know, crazy things are happening. Hi, I'm Mara Davis, a prominent Democratic activist and wearing actual pants today. And I am Jen Jordan and I'm wearing pants today as well, but um, I'm not. Yeah. Okay. That's that basically sums up 2020 right there. It sure does. I got dressed to do this podcast today. And when you're not wearing uh, stretchy pants, it feels like an accomplishment, but it also is, is just weird. Just even a real bra is like a whole new world these days. Yeah, 2021 can't get here fast enough. All right, so we're down to the wire of these Georgia runoff elections. So many people with their eyes on Georgia, Jen. It's it's almost like it's great, but not great. But what do you what do you, what's your vibe about it all? Look, I think we all have election fatigue at this point. I mean, you know, I just want it to happen, right? It almost feels like political Christmas for me. Like, all right, already, you know, let's let's get her, let's get her done, let's get her to Tuesday, because we keep saying the same stuff. We keep having the same people prognosticate about certain things, and to be quite frank, nobody really knows what's going to happen until the polls close on Tuesday. Are you tired of people asking you what you think? A little bit, but honestly, the thing that I have really, really liked is seeing all these various groups that are out there targeting every possible community in this state, marginalized communities that are usually left behind, voters that are low propensity voters that nobody ever thinks to knock on their door or ask them to vote. And I think that is... If nothing else comes out of that, this has been such an incredible thing in terms of actually trying to get Georgia citizens to vote and understand how it impacts them. No doubt about it. Reading a great New York Times article, Latasha Brown from Black Votes Matter, she's been going around in this bus knocking on what they say almost two million doors. And it's been quite impressive watching grassroots organizations do stuff like this, but will it make a difference? Yeah, I think it already is. I mean, I think we've seen with the early vote numbers that the black voter numbers are are higher than they were for November. And I know that was a big concern for people. And so I think that really what the campaigns did and what these various organizations did is they looked at what happened in November that they're making sure that they get out to the polls. And and that's, you know, we haven't had the resources to do that in the past. So there has been a lot of money pumped into Georgia. There's been so many uh, celebrities and celebrity Zoom events and table reads and concerts and events on the Republican and Democratic side. Do you think those things make a difference? I mean, I think they can because especially for a runoff, what did we say that the biggest thing was? It was enthusiasm, right? And money. And so what has happened because of these various celebrity events? I mean, how much money did friggin' John Ossoff raise? I mean, it was an incredible amount of money in this last quarter. I mean, Raphael Warnock's raising money. I mean, and all of that money is what enables their campaigns to then get voters out. 
But that makes me nervous in a weird way because I remember Jamie Harrison raised so much money in South Carolina. I know South Carolina is very different than the the demographics of Georgia, but I remember all the hype around him and I remember how great he did in his debate and how he was just this absolute superstar and it did not translate on votes. Look, you have to have the voters there in order to win, right? So South Carolina does not necessarily have the vote Democratic voters there to win yet. You know, I don't know if they ever will. Who knows? But I can tell you that in Georgia, that we have enough Democratic voters or enough people who who have the same values as the Democratic candidates do that that are inclined to vote for them and support them to actually pull out a win. The thing is identifying those people and just making sure that they get to the polls. So we there's just too many celebrities to mention. I mean, everybody from R.E.M. to Barack Obama to the cast of Elf to John Legend. I mean, you name a celebrity. Uh, and But I, on the Republican side, it's sort of been the same thing. Like, I, of course, was fascinated by Travis Tritt coming to town for a Leffler rally where they did a gun giveaway. So it is now my honor to bring up to the stage, the unbelievable, amazing Travis Tritt. Wow. How y'all doing today? Is everybody here fired up? Absolutely 100%. We are fired up. We're fired up about this election. We're gonna win. So I think this may be the first time that John Legend's name and Travis Tritt <laughs> have been mentioned in the same breath. Yeah, I don't I don't know if the celebrity has been <laughs> as good on the Republican side. But could you argue that if you bring in a Ivanka Trump, a Josh Hawley, these people are in a weird way, or um, Dan Crenshaw, who made that ridiculous uh, movie for Kelly Leffler, didn't even pronounce her name right, which is a beef that both Jen and I have, is that why don't you learn to pronounce these people's names correctly? Yeah, so that, that really is, it's like fingernails down to chalkboard. It's like whenever I'm listening to a, a political journalist or someone covering it, they even if I think that they're really good at what they do, they automatically lose credibility when they mispronounce uh, Kelly Leffler's name. And, and also misspelling Purdue's name. Purdue is spelled P-E-R-D-U-E. And so all over social media, it's P-U-R-D-U-E. And that just, it just riles me up for some reason. It bothers me too. And and we're both people that are so used to having our names mispronounced. So maybe that's why it strikes a chord. But I do find that a little bit fascinating. Yeah, but we're not, we're not running for U.S. Senate. Not we're not yet. sitting U.S. Not senators. Yet. Not yet. <laughs> I mean, not me, but yeah, yeah Mara. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we have the celebrities. We have Ivanka Trump. I mean, come on. She's a celebrity. No, look, that's what it comes down to. So we can talk about all these celebrities, and they've been great. We are a very diverse party. And so 
you know, the more folks that we have coming in that reflect that in terms of the diversity of the party, you know, that person may be able to make a connection with a potential voter and actually get them out. But that's Democrats. Look, at the end of the day, the only thing Republicans care about is Trump. He vetoed the defense bill. And so the money that normally goes to the the various bases, to the military bases, I mean, it's just kind of a performer thing that in, in Georgia is a really strong military state in terms of all the bases we have. So he vetoes that. He basically says that the COVID relief bill should be vetoed, that it's not enough. I mean, he basically threw uh, Mnuchin under the bus in terms of saying it was just the worst thing he'd ever seen. And then he eventually signs it. But that's just it. Like, what kind of messaging is that, you know, when you have two U.S. Senate candidates here trying to win re-election. You said something so funny to me on the phone. I want you to repeat this because I, as as I said at the top, I was like, Jen, are you so tired of people asking you what you think? Because I have to limit my text to Jen. Like, what do you think? Because I get so nervous. But you gave me, and I said, well, at least Biden's president, you know, whatever happens, we have that. And then you gave me a pig analogy, which was what? <laughs> so... The whole idea is that you once you you get something you shouldn't be greedy and in the saying is something to the effect of you know pigs get fat hogs get slaughtered <laughs> not necessarily apropos of the situation but look at the end of the day we were able to pull it off for Biden the numbers are looking great that doesn't mean we have to stop, though. We need to keep pushing and make sure every single person votes. And 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 I tell you, we we have done amazing things. And so I can't wait for uh for Tuesday night. Pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered. That is something a Jewish girl from South Florida does not hear growing up. That that is correct. <laughs> Like, as soon as I said it, Mary's like, I have never heard that before. I was like, that's the greatest. I would like to use that. And I was like, great. (laughs) Nothing like another good turn of phrase here. Uh, I I think that's amazing. And I, I, I think that a lot of Democrats do have that attitude, though, because I think everybody's like, I don't know. Um, And then they're talking about like, what kind of lawsuits will there be afterwards if it's a razor thin margin, like it was for the presidential are Leffler and Purdue going to suddenly go uh, Lynn Wood on everybody? Look, I don't think there's going to be that kind of intensity. If it's super close, yeah, there'll be legal challenges. But you've got to remember at the end of the day, all of this energy is coming from Trump and Trump supporters. And I hate to say it, but Leffler and Purdue do not have that kind of support in this state. Okay. All right. We're going to have to wait and see. Let's uh, get a Republican's view on this. Uh, One of my favorite guests is coming up. Well, a friend of our show is Brian Robinson. And Brian is known as Lord Tinsdale on Twitter. (laughs) And Brian is a Republican strategist and literally 
has his his ear to the ground, his nose in every campaign. If you want to know what's going on with Republicans in Georgia, Brian is so tapped in. Like everybody goes to Brian, which is why I feel like we're so fortunate and hashtag blessed <laughs> that he's here with us today. Brian, what's happening? Hey guys, oh, oh, glad to be back. Happy New Year and Merry, hope y'all had Merry Christmas and all that stuff. Oh God, I'm so glad we can say Merry Christmas again. <laughs> <laughs> funny, <laughs> really funny, Mara. So let's get right into it. What do you think about, here we are, and well, when this is airing, you know, we're just a couple days out to election day and the Republicans really need people to turn out on on Tuesday. So, so what do you think is going to happen? Oh man, election day for Republicans is is critical. I, I think talking to my Democrat consultant friends, they're very excited about where they are in their early vote right now. And I'm a little dubious about some of the partisan modeling that is used to determine the political preference of a lot of these voters. I mean, if you're a Democrat or Republican primary voter, I feel pretty good that that's you're modeled correctly. But for a lot of these folks, I'm not sure that they, they're getting it right. But my Democrat friends do think that uh, as of Monday night, that the Democrats are 280,000 votes ahead. That was a vote total given to me by a Democrat consultant who's been number crunching. And I'm not a number cruncher. I'm a uh, a writer. And so I, I need the nerds to tell me what the numbers mean and then I make them pretty. So I, I don't do the digging myself, but I know that Republicans and Democrats are like, I would agree that at this moment, one week out, the Democrats have an advantage in the votes that are already banked. So that gives Republicans basically a couple of days of early voting and a couple of days of getting absentee ballots back in. And Republicans this time have been much more proactive about encouraging their voters to vote absentee after the president sort of muddled that message back during the general that discouraged mail-in voting. And so given that that chasm, that deficit that Republicans are facing right now, if it's true, there's not going to be enough votes in the next couple of days to close it. There's going to have to be a significant election day turnout. And, and look, Republicans will win election day. I think Democrats would agree with me on that. If they're the, the question becomes, how big? So the thing that's interesting to me is that Donald Trump's going to be coming in on Monday night, the night before Election Day. And so normally he would be somebody that would come in and be a closer, right? Like he's the guy. He's going he's gonna to seal the deal for Leffler and Purdue. But the problem is, in terms of his messaging, that he is still saying that he won the state of Georgia and that the machines switched the votes or the absentee ballots had fraudulent signatures, all this kind of crazy stuff that, you know, how do you think he's going to be able to actually come in and close the deal? Or do you think he's going to step all over himself? There are things that he can do that would be very helpful. And what I would like to see him do is to echo the messaging that we're seeing from Leffler and Purdue. They have the messaging right. This is about stopping socialism, not letting Democrats have every lever of power. And Purdue lists them out all the time, like adding states to add Democrat senators, uh, decriminalizing the border, taking away private health insurance, raising taxes, 
defunding the police, defunding the By the, the way, I completely disagree with everything you're saying in terms of that those are accurate characterizations of the positions of the Democratic folks on the ticket. But I understand that you're talking about their messaging. Message. So so continue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it, it's it's good messaging. And, um, and the idea that uh, this is the last check against total Democrat one-party control in, in Washington. That, that's a strong message. So I really hope, and I think you're, this is the, the point that you're getting to, that the president's message is forward-looking, not backward-looking. I think that would be very helpful. And look, going back to what I just said about Republicans not turning out as much so far, and they can still close the gap, but the congressional district with the lowest turnout so far is the 14th district. That's Northwest Georgia, where seven out of every 10 voters who show up will vote for Purdue and Leffler, and turnout is not where it needs to be. So that's why Trump's going there to Dalton in the 14th district to generate uh, support from his people, that he's wildly popular up there. We need to get his folks out, and that's where he can be most effective. And look, I, I, I know what the Democrat pushback is, that Yes, Trump motivates his voters and he motivates Democrat voters, too. I've heard that, that, you know, Democrats see this coverage and it motivates them to go vote. But I think given that we're having a depression of not, well, not depression, but we're not having as much of a turnout as we should in the most Republican areas of the state, he can be very important in that. Yeah, and for folks listening, the congressional district that that Brian is talking about, CD14, is the Marjorie Taylor Greene district, and she will be no doubt out front and, and center, front and center, and and proud to be there on Monday night. Will so. she have a beauty queen sash? Um, <laughs> I made America the greatest. <laughs> With uh, I, you know, that's that's the whole thing that that is so confusing about all of this, especially with her, because she's been one of the leaders in the stop the steal, uh, or it's like stop the count, stop the steal, every lawsuit that said... Well, and challenging the, the electoral votes that are supposed to happen the day after the election. And so, you know, that's, that's what's going to be interesting, Brian, to see if which way Trump's going to go on this and if he's going to make it all about him or if he's actually going to try to to do what he needs to do, which is, you know, to help out Republicans. Well, you know, if you look at what the president has done over the last couple of weeks, it's obvious that these two elections here in Georgia are not the top of his priority list. Otherwise, we would not have waited four or five days to sign the stimulus bill that Purdue and Leffler voted for. He would not be vetoing the defense spending bill that Purdue and Leffler voted for and then put them in this impossible messaging quandary like where they defend their own actions and therefore separate themselves from Trump or go back on their own actions and align themselves with Trump. So it's been a very awful, impossible situation for the senators having to battle with anticipating what the president is going to do. It's the same thing here. You know, there's nothing they can do. They're completely powerless. The president can say whatever he wants, and it may be helpful, and it may not, you know, but nobody can do anything about it. Only the president gets to say uh, what 
the message is. Do you feel as a Republican strategist, obviously, I'm sure you know the people on the Leffler and Purdue teams. You're the guy in several situations where that you're like something comes down and like you got to figure out what the position is on something. Does does this stress you out knowing that they I mean that they can't go to bed because who knows what's going to happen. Oh god, it's the worst. <laughs> and it's not stressing me out because <laughs> these cats aren't paying me anything, you know. So they're I but I feel their pain and I occasionally will reach out to them and go um I know you're probably getting beat up from all sides, just just from one professional to another. I know you are in an impossible position. You cannot win. And that is being forced on you by by the White House. So it's a, it's a really tough situation. And there's no there's no pat answer for so how they get out of the corner. Everybody's been interested if you know how close this election may be, you know, even if they're not gonna say who they think is going to win one way or the other. And I went back and I looked at the handle deal numbers and man, that was a little bit of a squeaker. Oh yeah. 3000 votes, baby. Um, 3000 votes that changed my life forever since I was on the deal side in that election. Um, 3000 votes that kept us from having Karen handle as the governor of the state of Georgia. Holy camoly. That's true. And you know, and, and Karen went on to become a good friend and, and, a client of mine as well. So I, I love her. I'm not going to say anything other, other than good things um, about her. She was a great congresswoman. Although, um, although, could you imagine now if we had a governor named Karen? <laughs> <laughs> of course, Mary's going to go there. Governor Karen. And she's, you know, got, okay, you worked for her, but she's, you know, she's, her name's Karen. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I can confirm that. <laughs> You mentioned a minute ago the the Reverend Warnock and the puppies and the dog in the ad, which has been, I think, quite effective. Um, yeah. I mean, you even got to admit that. I mean, a dog. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. He's a great performer. The dog or the Reverend? <laughs> <laughs> they, they both deserve Emmy. <laughs> okay. And you know, it's not even his dog. More acting, right? I say he's a great actor. Because you right. really believe that's right. his dog. Right. So do you think we're going to see more dogs in ads? Well, if we do, I would highly recommend someone hire my dog, who is a beautiful golden retriever, English cream retriever. <laughs> I'll do it for a very fair price. I mean, why wouldn't why wouldn't have Purdue? Does Purdue have a dog? I, mean, <laughs> I would think that would go perfectly. He probably has like an Irish setter. Or like he has a real elitist dog, I bet. Like well, we know, red dog. Well, we know that elitist, Kelly has a cat. Elitist, so. Mara. He, he wears a jean jacket. <laughs> what, yeah, he's not elitist. So what's the Republican dog breed? Ooh, that's well, a good. Question. I would say I would say Labrador Retriever. I don't know. I don't know. I think that's a, that's a bipartisan breed. Well, but the one, <laughs> I think as a breed, it is. I think that from a messaging standpoint, you'll always get the pickup truck, the rifle, and the lab. Yeah. And and the truck, the gun, and the lab never actually belong to the politician. But the wouldn't you think it's a hound dog? <laughs> a hound dog, like a hunting dog? I mean, isn't that if you're all about guns, wouldn't you have one of those, you know, Big bloodhounds, or one, yeah. of, you know, something like that. But you know, I mean, but a lab, a lab is a hunting dog, technically. 
you know, they go retrieve the birds. Yeah, a lab's just a really popular dog in the state. I mean, it just is. Yeah, they're great. Everybody loves them. Senator Leffler, as, as Jen just mentioned, has a cat. She does. I've seen a picture of it in her office. <laughs> Who has a cat? <laughs> Senator Leffler is a, she did do it, but that's the whole thing. Like I would like to see a more, uh, the softer side. And I thought when she did do a tweet one day about the best friends where she, re- she rescued her cat, like that's like a, a relatable thing about her. Like I'd rather see that than a picture of her with someone from the KKK. <laughs> <laughs> Which I will point out, it has not been put in an ad. Um, oh, well, it's been put in an ad as an attack ad on her. <laughs> right. We've definitely seen that. <laughs> no, I, I do wish that there was some time to humanize them, but it just didn't fit within this strategy. And that's the truth. And, you know, you know, with Kelly Leffer, and I don't know her personally, I do know many people on her staff, but the people that who have worked with her, whether at their company or on the campaign, all speak very highly of her as a as a kind, uh, thoughtful boss who is uh, a workaholic. I mean, like at the desk at eight a.m. and and at there at nine o'clock on a Friday, that kind of thing. Just a tireless worker, very focused, very determined. And you know, I, I do think they try to get at that with the whole. I'm living the American dream thematic that, that they repeat over and over again, that she worked hard, played by the rules and succeeded. But I, I do wish that there was a way to, to humanize both of them in a way that we haven't been able to do. Can I, can I close with this, particularly considering we're talking to an esteemed elected official in the General Assembly here? Let's fix this stupid runoff law. We have been exposed to $500 million in ads that none of us want to see on either side. This has gone on for way too long. Let's either have ranked voting with automatic runoffs built in or do something to deal with military ballots so that we can shorten the nine-week period down to three or four. Nobody wants to see this again. It is brutal. It's painful. I do this for a living, and I'm even tired of it. Let's fix it. Would you be in favor of uh, plurality to win? I'm fine with majority rule, but let's do it with ranked voting. I, I think ranked voting does several several things. One, we talked about the toxicity. If you want voters for other candidates to vote for you second in ranked voting, you're much less likely to be a giant asshole. You're much less likely to be that mean. It may raise the level of civility in our politics because you've got to get the support of other candidates' voters. So I completely agree with you. I've been a proponent of this for a while because, A, I think that it's expensive and ridiculous and it's a it's burdensome on local governments to have to do these runoffs. Yes. And it, it really it's just it's just a complete and utter waste. It really- but what's been interesting is that depending on who you're talking to, some political consultants, especially Republican political consultants, um, believe that it inures to their benefit. So they don't want the ranked voting. And, and I get that. And, and, and I don't condemn that. But there are things, that, even simpler things that don't involve ranked voting, that could get rid of the nine-week runoff. You know, the federal judge who put that court order on us was focused on military ballots going overseas and getting back in time. 
let's let military people vote by email. Let's create a special system just for them so it's instantaneous, so we don't have to worry about the mail. That would take care of it too. But we have just let this linger out there, and now we're all paying a price for it, having to endure nine weeks of this garbage during our holiday. Well, with that, we with really that, appreciate it, Brian. And uh, <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll circle back when this all is over because nobody knows what the results are going to be. When we're allowed, we should all have a, a burger together so Jen and I can <laughs> prove <laughs> that we don't want to cancel them. <laughs> yes, let's, let's do it. Uh, save America, eat burgers. Well, I can't wait for that. I'm so excited to actually go out and eat in a restaurant and feel comfortable with it. So I and Brian is one of the first people I want to actually hang out with. Yeah, Brian's great. The only criticism I have of him Uh is he does that whole Democrat party thing. Um, (laughs) And it just makes me crazy because it really is just a messaging thing on there. You know, they just do it to tweak Democrats. Yeah, yeah. And and Brian's better than that. I, I, it's this weird thing that I just love talking to level-headed Republicans like that. And I, I'm so fascinated by a view that's not my own. It's why I t- say this to Jen all the time. Megan McCain is my dream guest for this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and that's my usual response. <laughs> So, folks, a lot of you will be seeing news stories that talk about, like, the hottest or the most important political stories of 2020. And so everybody will have their top 10 or top 20. But, uh, Mayor, what do you, what's your top? Well, definitely, uh, obviously, Biden winning, I think, is the best political story. But I think Biden winning Georgia, it was... It shocked even me. I mean, I still can't believe that that actually happened. Um, COVID and politics to me was was a really big and weird thing. I still go back to uh, watching Trump and Pence and Leffler. I'm not sure if Purdue was there. I don't think he was. Maybe he was. But at the CDC, just claiming they knew everything, but we all just knew nothing. Yeah, I think for me, it, it's the pandemic. It's the virus. Like, and I don't even think we even can grasp exactly what the impact is going to have on our economy, on our political life, on our um, infrastructure, healthcare, all of this. So it, it's one of those things where we're all just trying to hold on right now. But once we kind of get through this, I think that this year is 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 going to go down in the history books, and I don't think it's going to it's going to look too great. Well, I think it will teach us all to savor and appreciate things. Have you seen the movie Soul? I haven't, but I want to. Okay, so I don't want to really say a whole lot about it because I didn't know a whole lot going in, and I was so like pleasantly surprised. But a takeaway, I think, from that movie in this year is really a message is to really appreciate little things. And I think even just coming here today, putting on like a real outfit is like, Oh my God. So I think maybe that's a good thing that could come out of it. If there are good things, but it's been a tough year. Yeah. I mean, the, the one good thing is that I would never have spent this much time at home, not working. I don't think I've ever 
done that. I mean, I've been working since I was 14 years old and I have not stopped. And it has been, it's been really hard actually, because when you're used to working, when you're used to getting out every day and producing or whatever it is, and then all of a sudden, you know, that's all gone. But it does, it definitely makes you take a step back. So I think we're all going to be forever changed by it. But I actually think that going into 2021, I think that's why Brian was a good guest to have on. I think without Trump, of course, I think he'll be there. I think he'll be lurking in the shadows. But I think if we can have more measured conversations with people and actually take time to listen and kind of focus on the things that we have in common, we're always going to disagree uh, on policy but we, can we be kinder to one another? And that's what I really hope for. Me too. Happy 2021, y'all. We want to thank Christina Larger for editing and producing today. I want to thank Terminus Records for giving us music for this Vote Her podcast. Jen says she wants to keep going, so we're going to keep going. That'll be really interesting. <laughs> so um, our next episode we're gonna have kind of a regrouping of what happened after the runoff so if you're listening you have not voted yet well better go vote you better work that's right